Good evening. Father and our God, we thank you for the privilege of coming into your presence. We thank you for these beautiful songs, songs of remembrance, songs of worship. As we begin this wonderful season where we recall your birth, we thank you for the song that Anita sang. You're the source for all our hope. When we hurt, we face challenges. You're the one who we run to, who we turn to. God, I thank you so much for that comfort and the fact that you are the God of all comfort. So as we look into your word, as I share what you have impressed on my heart, I thank you for the privilege of being able to do so. And I ask now that you would help me to very clearly impart what you have impressed on me. But I pray for receptive hearts. I pray that our people would be encouraged, that all of our hearts would be encouraged. There is much going on in our country. There are many who don't know you, consumed by worry. I pray that tonight our hearts would be encouraged and that we would be reminded afresh that you are our only source of hope. I give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. As you would have seen in the bulletin, My topic tonight is on worry. This seems so prevalent today. As I move about the island, many people are worried. The escalating crime and violence, the cost of living, the layoffs, redundancies, and now VAT seemed to have taken the spotlight. Where are we headed as a country? What about us as an assembly? What about you as a Christian? What should our response be? In our passage for tonight, the disciples were facing a similar situation. Jesus had just informed them that he was going away. And if that was not bad enough, he told them, where I'm going, you cannot come. And so he does what any other great leader or good shepherd would do. He offers them comfort. John 14, 1. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. 
and verse 27 so do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let it be afraid twice in this chapter we are commanded by the Lord Jesus not to be troubled in our hearts in other words do not worry what is it about worry that we as fallen beings are so prone to do it the fact that Jesus said do not let your hearts be troubled implies that we can in fact prevent our hearts from being troubled the question is how but before we answer that question let us first define worry the word worry comes from the Greek word marimnao or marimneo which is made up of two words divide and mind but when you put both words together you get a divided mind as a verb worry is defined as to feel or cause to feel anxious or troubled about actual or potential problems as a noun it is defined as the state of being anxious and troubled over actual or potential problems in both of these definitions notice that the word problem is mentioned twice it is interesting and interesting because it implies that a problem does not presently exist but it could or may at some point so if this is the case and many times it is why worry why worry about something that does not presently exist and may never when problems do exist or even when they do exist why worry now there are other words that are closely associated with worry that we as professing Christians allow to weigh us down and render us ineffective and defeated as far as our Christian walk is concerned they are and I'm sure you heard all of these words before fret agonize disturbed anxiety perturbed agitated and last but certainly not least stress nowadays it seems as though everyone is stressed out and caught up in the rat race and speaking of the rat race it appears as though the distance is getting longer the pace is getting faster and the amount of rats is increasing I remember one time a number of years ago I asked my nine-year-old nephew to help his sister take out the garbage he started crying say uncle you stressing me out you getting on my nerves nine years old asking his sister asking him to help his sister do a chore he said, I stress him out because they take the garbage out. 
I didn't get that. But I tell you one thing, he didn't do that again. <laughs> what is the cause of worry? Worry stems from a number of things. In addition to what I mentioned earlier, it could, it could also stem from, number one, financial problems. There have, as I mentioned, there have been many layoffs and many jobs made redundant because of the economic climate, with the possibility of more to follow if the, if the economy remains stagnant. Many of our fellow Bahamians, as we speak, have no electricity. Many more depend on the church and social services for food and other assistance. And some, unfortunately, has resorted to criminal activity. What do you do in times like this? Or secondly, marital problems. You may feel devastated from the unfaithfulness of your spouse and worried about the welfare of the children and facing the possibility of divorce. How do you handle the hurt, the deception, the pain of rejection? Or three, could be health problems. What do you do when the doctor calls to say you need to come in right away, only to discover a trauma in the fourth stage? Or four, the loss of a loved one. There is always much pain and sadness in death, especially when the one who died is the breadwinner and the sole provider. The one you felt would always be there to grow old with you and suddenly is taken away. There is a whole flood of emotions that grip you and for many, life seems like a daze. What do you do? My friends, these are certainly very serious issues for anyone to have to face. Because of all the uncertainty, the sadness, loneliness, and anxiety that is all wrapped up in these situations. When it seems like you have lost all hope, the Lord who has given us his very great and precious promises to hold on to says in a very comforting voice. Now, <clears throat> this is Isaiah chapter 41 I'm going to share but it's taken from the translation message. And I, 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 I chose that one because of how it's worded. To me, it was very comforting, very encouraging. And it says, don't panic, I'm with you. There's no need to fear, I'm your God. I'll help you, I'll hold you steady and keep a firm grip on you. Notice in this short passage, there is a command, an assurance, a comfort, and a promise. First, he gives us the command. He says, don't panic. Why? Well, he answers us with an assurance. Don't panic because I'm with you. I am with you. In other words, he's right beside you, up close and personal. 
Secondly, he says, there is no need to fail. Why? And here's the comfort. I'm your God. And thirdly, here's the promise, or should I say promises? He says, I will give you strength. I will help you. And I'll hold you steady and keep a firm grip on you. My friends, if our God, who is the sovereign creator of the universe, has a firm grip on you to hold you and keep you steady, who can rock your world? Now let's look at passage in the Old Testament, a passage that you too have heard before. This is God speaking to Joshua after Mary, uh, Moses had died and now Joshua was going to take over as leader to take the children into the promised land. Now think of it. Moses, his friend, was dead. We all know the rebellious, stiff-necked, grumbling and complaining children of Israel that he was leading. And now here it is, Moses is dead and he's faced with that responsibility. So God says to him in verse nine of chapter one, Joshua, have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? What do you think Joshua was feeling at that time? He says, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed, Joshua. For I, the Lord your God, is with you wherever you go. So put your name, put your name there. He says, Paul. He says, Anthon. He says, Craig. He says, Joe. He says, Albert. There is no place you will go or a situation that you will face that I will not be right beside you to help you when challenging times come, no matter how stressful the situation. That is God's comfort as it was to Joshua so it is to you. No matter what the situation is, no matter what daunting task you are facing, no matter what challenges you are going through, and you know what those challenges are. As I said earlier, it could be in your family, it could be on the job, it could be marital, it could be financial. You could fail when you look around, it's just, don't seem to be no hope. Joshua knew what he was facing, but God assured him that there is no place that you will go, that I will not be right beside you to help you when your challenges come. And the good thing is we know how it ended for Joshua. He met, as he was about to cross over, 
he met with the children of Israel. He said, choose you this day whom you will serve. But he said, as for me and my house, we going to serve the Lord. No matter what may come, no matter what you may face, no matter how it's going to be on the other side, we have determined we will serve the Lord. In Matthew chapter 6, it, Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, about your body, sorry, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food? and the body more important than clothes? Verse 27, who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? What is he saying? Worrying is only gonna make it worse. Is it gonna buy you time by worrying? Is it gonna make the situation easier? Is it gonna bring about a solution? Jesus is simply saying you will accomplish nothing by worry. So he says, do not. Do not worry about what you will eat or drink, about what you will wear. Do not worry about whatever the situation may be because worry has no validity as far as, or no power to assist you out of your situation. It digs the hole deeper. Now, as I said in the bulletin also, here's a list of five reasons why we should not worry. The first one, worry hinders our fellowship with God and greatly affects our prayer life. Think about this. If you have a friend who really and truly cares about you and reaches out to you in your crisis and your response to them is, you wouldn't understand. This is something I have to deal with. I know you care. I know I'm worried, but just, just leave me be. As your friend, how do you think they would feel? Isn't that what we do with God when we worry? Secondly, worry has the potential to stifle our faith and steal our joy. My friends, a faithless Christian and a joyless Christian is a defeated Christian. Thirdly, worry affects our praise and hinders our worship. A heart that's burdened with worry cannot rise in true worship. I'll say that again. Worry affects our praise and hinders our worship. A heart that's burdened with worry cannot rise in true worship. Fourthly, worry hinders our effectiveness for God. Who will ever take you serious if as a Christian when challenges come, you allow yourselves to be compromised? Who will take you serious? When the going gets tough, you cut corners, you cut corners. You allow anything, you accept anything just because the going gets tough. 
Don't allow yourself to be compromised when the going gets tough. It hinders our effectiveness for God. And then number five, worry can lead to hopelessness, create confusion in our lives, and it is harmful to our health. Now, let's look at what uh, the medical professionals and the psychologists warn about worry. The physical effects on the body stemming from excessive worry. Are you an excessive worrier? Perhaps you subconsciously think that if you worry enough, you can prevent bad things from happening. But the fact is, worrying can affect the body in ways that may surprise you. When worrying becomes excessive, it can lead to feelings of high anxiety and even cause you to be physically ill. Worrying is feeling uneasy or being overly concerned about a situation or problem. With excessive worrying, your mind and body go into overdrive as you constantly focus on what might happen. In the midst of excessive worrying, you may suffer with anxiety, even panic, during waking hours. Many chronic worriers tell of feeling a sense of impending doom or unrealistic fears that only increase their fears. Ultra-sensitive to their environment and to the criticism of others, Excessive warriors may be seeing anything or anyone as a potential threat. Chronic worrying affects your daily life so much that it interferes with your appetite, lifestyle habits, relationships, sleep, and job performance. Many people who worry excessively are so anxiety-ridden that they seek relief in harmful lifestyle habits such as overeating, cigarette smoking, or using alcohol or drugs. Excessive worrying or ongoing fear or anxiety is harmful when it becomes so irrational that you can't focus on reality or think clearly. People with high anxiety have difficulty shaking their worries. When that happens, they may experience actual physical symptoms. Chronic worry and emotional stress can trigger a host of health problems. The problem occurs when fight or flight, meaning you stop and confront the worry, which is fight, or try to escape using unhealthy means, which is flight. But the problem occurs when fight or flight is triggered daily by excessive worrying or anxiety. The fight or flight response causes the body's sympathetic nervous system to release stress hormones such as cortisol. These hormones can boost blood sugar levels and triglycerides, which is blood fats or fat in the blood, that can be used by the body for fuel. The hormones also cause physical reactions such as difficulty swallowing, dizziness, dry mouth, fast heartbeat, fatigue, headaches, inability to concentrate, irritability, muscle aches, muscle tension, nausea, nervous energy, rapid breathing, shortness of breath, sweating, trembling, and twitching. When the excessive fuel in the blood isn't used for physical activity, the chronic anxiety and outpouring of stress hormones can have physical consequences, including suppression of the immune system, digestive disorders, muscle tension, 
short-time memory loss, premature coronary artery disease, and unfortunately, heart attack. If excessive worrying and high anxiety go untreated, they can lead to depression and even suicidal thoughts. Although these effects are a response to stress, stress is only the trigger. Whether or not you become ill depends on how you handle stress. Physical responses to stress involve your immune system, your heart and blood vessels, and how certain glands in your body secrete hormones. These hormones help to regulate various functions in your body, such as brain function and nerve impulses. All of these systems interact and are profoundly influenced by your coping style and your psychological state. It isn't the stress that makes you sick, rather it's the effect responses such as excessive worrying and anxiety have on those various interacting systems that can bring on physical illness. There are things you can do though, including lifestyle changes to alter the way you respond. Of course, these professionals go on to suggest a number of things, one of which is exercise. However, let us go back to the word to see now how we can prevent our hearts from being troubled. First of all, we need to remember the faithfulness of God. Paul tells us in Philippians 4, 6 and 7, do not worry. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, we are to present our request to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And then in Romans 8.28, Paul again says, we know that in all things, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. It doesn't mean that it will happen in the way in which you think it should. You may not always think it is good. But we are taught here that God works all things together for good. Now, he knows what we need. He knows what we are facing. He knows the way in which he would bring us through this and the end result he is seeking to achieve in us. So whether or not we think it's good at the time, no matter to God. God is going to do what is in our best interest, whether we see it as good or not. But we are assured that he works all things together for good to them that love him and are called according to his purpose. And then in 1 Peter 5, 7, he admonishes us to cast all our cares on him. Why? Because he cares for us. Now, why would he say, cast your cares upon me? It's because he knows 
deep down inside, for us to attempt to carry them, we go fall. We are unable to carry. That's why Jesus took our load. Jesus took our, he want us, he want us to lay our cares at his feet. Why? Because he know, we, he know that we are unable to carry them for ourselves. But we are to cast, it is up to us. He said, you cast your cares upon him. And he demonstrated the way he cared for us in a very remarkable and a, and, a, and a sacrificial way. He went to the cross on our behalf. And so he says, cast your cares upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. And then he reminds us again, in, uh, Jesus reminds us again in Matthew 6. Uh, at another passage that, that what we looked at earlier. He said, look at the birds of the air. Using the birds as an analogy. They don't have a nine to five job. They don't work a nine to five. But he says, they don't have a harvest season either. They don't have a barn to store in their harvest. But every single day, they're fed. Every day, they are fed. Who's the feeder? God himself. He says, they don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And then he asks, are you not more valuable? He didn't go to the cross for the doves, the pigeons, and the bag of doves. He went to the cross for you and for me. And so what he's saying is, man, if I feed them, you don't think I care enough about you and what you're going through that I will provide or that I will open doors or I will make a way or I'll give you the strength or give you the grace or I will, I will uh, just give you what you need at the time to get through or to get by or to provide all that you need. And so he gives this uh, analogy of the birds to say, look, if I take care of them, I'll take care of you. Trust me. Worry don't help. It never does. And then it says in Philippians 4, 8, Finally, my brothers, Paul says, Finally, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent, admirable, or praiseworthy, think on these things. My friends, I would certainly add my amen to that. Because those verses that I share teach clearly that if we love and trust God like we say we do and take him at his word, there is absolutely no reason whatsoever to be consumed by worry, fear, or anxiety. Our God is faithful, and his promises are true and precious. And if we, as Christians, had the same carefree mindset in adversity 
like we usually have in prosperity, worry would only be a word and not a practice. I'll repeat that. If we as Christians had the same carefree mindset in adversity, like we usually have in prosperity, worry would only be a word and not a practice. You see, when we are experiencing a level of prosperity, when everything is going okay, we don't have no worries. We're carefree, we're home free, everything seems to be on even keel. However, when adversity comes, we go topsy-turvy. What we need to do is get to the point in our relationship and get our faith to a level where we have the same mindset in adversity as we have when we're experiencing prosperity. There's no need to be anxious. You trust God, you thank him for whatever is coming and you're thankful for what you don't have, knowing that he who feed the birds will feed you. He who uh, was there to protect them will protect you. That he will give you the grace to go through whatever you're facing when the time comes. No matter what the situation is, he will get you through. David, who God said was a man after, he says a man after my own heart, was able to testify in his old age after all that he had gone through as a youth, as a young man fleeing from Saul, and finally as king of Israel and his own family crisis. But in his old age, he was able to say in Psalm 37, 25, I was young and now I am old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. And of course, Philippians 4.19, our God has promised that he shall supply our every need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And so I end with the, the two verses I started with, John 14.1 and John 14.27. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let it be afraid. Our God is faithful. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for a few minutes together tonight. We thank you for uh, just being able to share uh, the few words that I felt you impressed on my heart. Uh, I pray that um, you know, we would remember that we should never worry Worry doesn't help. You've commanded us not to. Instead, you've said, trust me. And God, I pray that tonight we would trust you in our difficult times, uh, especially in our difficult times, as we say we trust you when everything seems to be going well. Help us to be so intimate in our relationship with you that uh, our hard times and challenges would have no different bearing on us as if we were in good times. Help us to be so in love with you uh, that we would uh, uh, 
just be an example wherever we go and and, and at all times that others would see you in us. And I pray that their hearts would be encouraged and uh, those who have not yet trusted you would uh, notice something different about those of us who have such a relationship with you, that they would inquire and would give us the opportunity to tell them about you. Father, thank you for an opportunity to share a few words. Use it for your honor and glory. So we give you thanks. Uh, Now as we depart, we ask that you would go before us and prepare the way. Take us all safely to our homes and um, help us to uh, be a witness and a light wherever we go. In Jesus' name, amen.